If you have a copy of Scripture of God's Word, you are blessed and I am blessed. We have access to God's revealed Word. Would you turn to New Testament book of Hebrews? The book of Hebrews will, Lord willing, be back in Romans next Lord's Day. haven't done this in um, six or seven years uh, since I occasionally, sometime on the last Sunday, last Lord's Day of the year, done that probably three or four times over the 17 years I've been able to do this, uh, preach this passage, Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12. We'll look at those first three verses. We read that portion and a little bit more probably doing a disservice. I'll give us a little bit of context. By the way, I just remind you that the letter to uh, the letter of Hebrews is um, one sermon, so we won't cover all of that today, but it is uh, one sermon, all 13 of, um, of those chapters. So the word of the Lord from Hebrews 12, we'll start there in verse 1. If you are able, would you stand as um, I read our passage? May God add his blessing to the reading and studying and preaching of his word. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for your word. Lord, it is living, active, sharper than a two-edged sword. We thank you that you so clearly reveal the truth about yourself. We thank you that you so clearly reveal the truth about us. We thank you that you so clearly reveal that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He's the Savior. He's the Lord. He's the soon-coming King. He is interceding for us even now. We acknowledge that our efforts will be in vain um, if you do not give us power, divine power, to see and understand and do according to your word, power to trust in Christ, to treasure Christ, to live our lives for the glory of Christ. Lord, help us to recognize that life is short. Eternity is long. Lord, what matters is um, you and what we do for you and your kingdom. Uh, so, Lord, we pray that you would have your will and your way in your church today for your glory, for the good of your bride and her witness and her living for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, we 
doing a little bit of a disservice to where we are in the letter because we're at the therefore. You say, what's the therefore? Well, um, as we read last Lord's Day for the Scripture reading, that opens that very familiar opening of Hebrews 1, 1 through 4. I love that passage. It's one of the main Christological passages, um, key texts that we go to. Hebrews 1, 1, God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son. Jesus Christ is God's last word. That is a really good passage to go to when people want to be so critical of um, God and his ways, and they oftentimes say, well, I don't see why God hasn't done X, Y, or Z to uh, save people, and God has gone to extraordinary, amazing, incomprehensible lengths in Christ to save. And Jesus is God's last word. And so what the writer of Hebrews there, we know that God has written Hebrews. We will save the debate. We do not know. I guess when we get to heaven, we will learn who the human author of Hebrews is. There's all kinds of ideas. Some say Luke, some say Paul, some book. We don't know, so we won't chase that rabbit today. We know God has written Hebrews. And listen to this. The, the main point of Hebrews, this will serve us well, the main takeaway of Hebrews is Jesus is superior. Jesus is preeminent. Jesus is superior. And he jumps in the first few verses there of chapter 1, and Jesus is superior to angels. And then we continue on, and Jesus is superior to the prophets. Jesus is superior to the priest. Listen, Jesus is superior to the Old Testament sacrificial system. So we would say, you know, a correct answer about the theme of Hebrews is Jesus is superior. He's superior to all things. And by the way, that has profound implications for how we live. And so he's, um, the writer of Hebrews has gone to great lengths to, to connect his letter is very well connected, letter to the Hebrews, but it's very uh, well connected to the Old Testament scriptures. It's uh, Old Testament passage after Old Testament passage that he'll go back to. By the way, we'll, we'll um, look at this a little bit later. So we know that the blood, Hebrews 10, verse 4, of bulls and goats will never take away anyone's sin. You could sacrifice a million bulls, two million goats. You wouldn't take away sin. So all of that sacrifice was pointing to the coming sacrifice that once for all that Jesus would make. So then we get to uh, chapter 12 and we get an exhortation. So I want you to think um, resolution. So here's what I'm looking for. Um, I'm looking for the gym will be closed tomorrow, but on Tuesday... It will be crowded. Now, it hasn't been crowded the last two, three months at the gym, but guess what? The gym, that's fine. That's good. Um, that's where, don't you think they make their money at gyms? They're like, we're going to get your money, and a lot of you are not going to come back after February because people are going to say, you know what? That's it. I'm making some changes, and then uh, so like some of the changes I try to make, they don't. So I don't want us on this last Lord's Day, the last day of the year, last Lord's Day of the year, I don't want us to think about a um, resolution. You could have a resolution. You know, you might, I drink a lot of Diet Mountain Dew. I'm not giving it up. New Year, not 
just not, not on my radar. If you have studies for me of how that's bad for me, you just read them, keep them to yourself, okay? Because the Lord has determined my days. Um, but resolutions, that, that's fine. But I'm, I'm coming to you this morning, listen, with divine exhortation. For those who are following Christ, we have from God's word an exhortation of how we are to live as Christ followers. So here's what I want to say. It's binding for everyone in the room who's in Christ. And then, by the way, my invitation is, if you are not in Christ, death is coming. It comes suddenly for some. It comes with much advanced notice for others. But mark it. Death is coming. And the only way out of here is Jesus. And Jesus will save you forever if you will place your faith in him. Hebrews 7.25. Writer of Hebrews told us that. He's able to save forever. So here's what I would say. If you're not in Christ, we exhort you, we beg you, we plead with you to repent of your sins this morning and place your faith in Christ alone and then join us in running the race. So let us run this exhortation. That's the main exhortation there. Uh, there's two main exhortations. And the first one is that we would run with endurance down in verse 1. We'll unpack that. And then we get another exhortation down in verses 4 and 5, which we won't cover today. You've not yet resisted to the point of shedding blood and you're striving against sin. You've forgotten the exhortation. And that exhortation is to listen to this. Be grateful for God's hand of discipline. Be grateful for God's hand of discipline. Be alarmed if you're not experiencing God's discipline when you sin. Park, peel that onion deeply. If you can sin with a high hand and you don't get God's discipline, that's a sermon for another day. So let us run. Let's unpack this together. Number one, if we're going to run, we need to prepare to run. Well, look with me at verse one. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, what in the world is going on there? Well, you know what precedes Hebrews 12? Hebrews 11. Right, the hall of faith. And listen, we want to we look to those. He's, the writer of Hebrews is talking about those Old Testament saints, those old covenant saints that ran their course well. And they, in some manner, are, are witnesses. So picture, and, and, and the analogy, I love the analogies of Scripture. The, it's the Olympic Games, it's the Olympic Games, and we're running in the stadium. We're, we're going to run the race, and the stadium is full. And the writer of Hebrews says the stadium is full of those Old Testament saints who have run the course ahead of us. So therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, that hall of faith, look over there at um, Hebrews eleven twenty three. By faith, Moses... When he was born, was hidden for three months. He goes on to say that Moses, drop down to verse 27 of chapter 11. By faith, Moses left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. Well, look, what did Moses do? For he endured, that's a key, key theme of the book. He endured 
as seeing him who is unseen. So listen, Moses endured, finished his course, and Moses is in the stadium along with all those other Old Testament saints. So number one, we want to prepare to run. Well, how do we do that? Well, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, verse 1, surrounding us, let us, so we get the first part of simple there, let us do a couple things to run the race. Let us also lay aside every encumbrance. So, smart runners run light. Smart runners run light. Now, I'm not pushing my hobby on you, but listen, I've been running for like um, 35 years Back when I started running, we didn't have the fabrics that we had now. You ran in cotton, and cotton is a painful thing to run in. But if you're going to run now, these people run, they run in this, um, this um, dry fit technology that you can go run in. And by the way, you know, how does a marathoner, have you ever seen a marathoner in full combat gear? Backpack, big pants, big jacket, big, that's not how you see marathoners. You go, man, they're like running, like they're pretty like stripped down to the basics, aren't they? So that's what he's saying. If we're going to run a race, there's great potential, listen, that there are things that could slow us down in running our race. So listen, there are things that will slow us down as followers of Christ, as, as disciples of Jesus. And here's the first one. Let us, first of all, lay aside every encumbrance. So A there, I call that lay aside weights, every encumbrance. And what is an encumbrance? Now I want you to think with me. Encumbrances can be good things, that keep us from the best things. So this uh, encumbrances are not sinful necessarily. Lay aside every encumbrance. So that which hinders one from doing something, a weight, a burden, an impediment. Good things that are not, nece- not necessarily sinful, but that will slow you down. So listen, we're getting ready to run this race. We're going to run this race Focused on Jesus, that's coming up a little bit later. We want to we leave, listen, we want to leave nothing on the table in our race. We know our race is, we know we've been given opportunity to run it one time, and we want to hear at the end, well done. When we have finished the course, we want to hear, hear well done. Well, here's the, the, the first exhortation in our running. We need to be prepared to run. And so, A, lay aside weight. So, let us also lay aside every encumbrance. It would be a wise inventory thing to look across our lives and to say, hey, do we have some things in our life that are okay things, but that maybe are less important things that could be put aside to enable us to run better for Christ. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So what are we to do? Lay aside every encumbrance. So we're to lay aside weights, things that would slow us down. Look what comes next. And the sin which so easily entangles us. So we're to lay aside weights. A, B, put off sin. Both weights, encumbrances, and sin slow us down. I love that over in Isaiah 53. All of us, like sheep, have what? Gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. We got to all sin. We've got to each. And by the way, most of us find other people's each like something you just need to get over. 
Well, their each, it might be different than our each, but we all got this battle that we need to be killing sin. Lay aside every encumbrance and look, and the sin which so, what does sin do? It doesn't tell us this on the front end. It so easily entangles us. It, it slows us down. The sin which so easily entangles us. Now, these are followers of Christ. The whole point, two points, I would say, of the book of Hebrews is Jesus is superior and therefore endure following Jesus. Well, sin... And encumbrances slow us down. So number one, we want to say we need to prepare to run, and that's doing some inventory to get things out of our life, these weights that would slow us down, these encumbrances and impediments, and to be putting off sin. Second, let us run. What are we to do? Well, I like this. This is a key, key, intentional part of the text. Run with the body of Christ. Number two, run with the body of Christ. Christ. Look with me. Hebrews 12 verse 1. Therefore, since we, not you. I like that. We. No lone rangers in Christ's kingdom. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance. He's hitting us with a lot of us's there, isn't he? And, and we, God has ordered, built, designed the church, the kingdom, that we are to run together. This letter is written to a body of believers. We are not running solo. We are running together. There's joy, fellowship, and encouragement in running together in the body of Christ. We have the privilege of living life together. You will be running in a headwind contrary to God's word and design if you run apart from the body of Christ. We need each other. And people oftentimes, you know, well, I know you're trying to get people to join the church. It should be like things you never see. Someone that says, hey, I love Jesus, but I'm not connected to a local church. Those just shouldn't be. Run with the body of Christ. Listen to this. God has not created you. He's not created me and saved us for us to run alone. Now, by the way, I'm grateful for all of our guests. Praise God. We're glad that you're here. Here's a strong disclaimer. You will oftentimes hear from people say, you know, our, our church is not a perfect church. Well, amen to that. We're not. By the way, stick with her. God's not through washing her, making her holy. She's going to be holy, spotless, and blameless. But I want to tell you something. Don't let imperfect churches that are that way because of us, not because of Christ, give one a bad taste to the church. And here's what I'm going to say. Find a healthy church, and don't necessarily do that with how big the crown molding is. There's some up there. But or how deep the carpet is, not very. Or how fancy the facilities are. You know, whether they got a gymnasium. Or I remember we were at a church one time, and they had a multi-level slide from floors up down to other floors through different floors of the children's wing to the Awana game floor. I was like, that's pretty cool. We don't have multi-level slides, but let me tell you, find a church where people take really, really serious the Word of God, and they stand on the Word of God, and they strive to live their lives by the Word of God, and they strive to get the gospel right and to 
fix their eyes on Jesus and to follow Jesus and that we take God's mission seriously. Find a church like that. Plug in and say, you know what? I know this church is not perfect. In fact, since I've joined, we probably pulled the average down some. But by God's grace, we're going to press on and do great things until Jesus comes. Right? Amen. So run, let us run. How? Run with the body of Christ. Aren't you grateful? On good days, on the best days, let me tell you, I'm grateful that I get to share that with the Logos body. On the darkest days, the hardest days, I'm grateful that I get to share that with the body. That's how God's built it to be. Let us run. Third, run with endurance. Let us run. Number three, run with endurance. Back to verse one. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance. We're going to prepare to run. The sin which is going to slow us down. And look, let us run. How? Run with endurance. What's the greatest risk for one running a race? Drop down to verse three. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. He is liking, the, the metaphor that he's likening the Christian life to is a, is a, um, is a marathon, a long-distance event. I've always thought it odd in track and field. Listen, you can, get, you can run in the Olympics and get a gold medal for running 100 meters. Now, by the way, they tell me that it's often the case that world-class athletes who run 100 meters sometimes do that on one breath. On your marks, get set, they take a breath, and they don't breathe again until they cross the finish line. You cannot run a marathon on one breath. And you cannot run the Christian life on one breath. It's a long-distance event. And so he says, let us run with endurance. So this risk we have, verse 3, we want to focus on Jesus. And here, here he connects to the whole purpose of Hebrews so that we got to keep enduring, verse 1. Run with endurance, verse 3. Consider him who has endured. What is it that Moses did, Eleven twenty-seven. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king. For he endured. Jesus endured. Moses endured. We need to endure. Because what's the opposite of enduring? Bonking. Falling out. We don't want to fall. See, that's the whole exhortation of Hebrews. We don't want to fall by the wayside. And by the way, he who began a good work in us, well, he's going to be faithful to complete it. But we got to work hard so that we will not grow weary and lose heart and drop out. Run with endurance. Listen to this, the capacity. What does endurance mean? The capacity to hold out or bear up in the face of difficulty. Some of your translations say, listen, this gets at it maybe even better in our day. Run with patience. The picture of endurance is you're underneath a really, really heavy load. And when you're underneath a really, really heavy load, you know what you want to do? You want to get out from under that load. And listen what endurance is. Patience is staying under the load. 
We need to stay under the load. Endurance, fortitude, steadfastness, perseverance, staying in the course, not dropping out, not losing heart, not falling away. So he says, let us run with endurance. That theme of Hebrews that we're to, we're to, we're to stay in the race, to press on. So number three, run with endurance. Number four, run trusting God to set the course. Each one of these could be a standalone sermon. Number four, run trusting God to set the course. Look at verse one again. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses, those Old Testament saints surrounding us, let us what? Prepare to run. Lay aside things that are going to slow us down. That's encumbrances and sin. Let us run with endurance. And by the way, I want you to see what comes next. The race that is set before us. There's a great, great principle here that God sets the course. You don't show up to the race and you just go running out wherever you want to go. you got to follow the course. And so we have a tendency, by the way, I see it in, I have a cross-reference for us from Peter and John and Jesus. We have this, I have this unsanctified side of me that when life gets difficult, sort of throws you lemons or curveballs, does it, so ever well up in you look around and go like, yeah, you don't, you wouldn't give words to this, but like, man, it seems like my course is sort of hard. Seems like the wind's in my face and I'm uphill and the footing's not real good. And I love this. So here's where we got to preach the Bible to ourselves. Is God good, church? Is he good? Does he know what he's doing? Is God near or is he far? Is he near? Is, Is he working right now for his glory? Is he working right now for our good? And so let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. He sets the course. He's mapped it out. And by the way, there's no um, course crashers that can alter the course he has set for us. So therefore, Guatemala is as safe as Dothan. And Dothan is as dangerous as Guatemala. The wise place to be is in the middle of God's will for us. Run trusting God to set the course. I told you, I love what Peter, it it encourages me. He didn't do good in this moment. Listen to this from John 21, verse 18. Jesus, listen, the risen Lord Jesus cooking fish on the beach. That's the context. That's cool. How would you like, you know, picture down 30A, whatever. You can picture, got that Cajun spices going. Don't you know they were flavored well? Jesus cooking fish on the beach. That's the context. John 21, 18. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were younger, he's talking to Peter, you used to gird yourself and walk wherever you wish, but when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will gird you and bring you where you do not wish to go. Jesus is tipping his hand, telling Peter some of what's on the course that Peter's going to have to run. He's getting, he's getting divine insight into what's coming his way. Peter, as I often do, didn't know how to keep his mouth shut. Can I just say that? which encourages me, right? 
Peter, look, look at verse 19. Now this, he said, signifying by what kind of death he would glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said to me, he said to him, follow me. I love that. Jesus tells you what's going to happen. He says, follow me. Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. So he turns around to John is standing there. The one who also had leaned back on his bosom at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? So Peter, seeing him, said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? Okay, Jesus, this is gonna be, my course is going to be hard, but what about John? Don't you appreciate the raw, detailed aspect of Scripture? That so resonates with me. Jesus didn't say, I'm kicking you off the team, Peter. And uh, you would think a thousand times that Peter would have been, wouldn't we be candidates to be kicked off the team every day? Jesus doesn't kick anybody off the team. When you say foolish, harebrained things. Lord, what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. Therefore, this saying went out among the brethren that that disciple would not die, yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die, but only if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? Here's a good phrase to help me when I'm discontent with the course God has put me on and you on. David, what is that to you? That humbles us, doesn't it? But we're to run trusting God to set the course. What is that to you? Fifth, it's quit, getting close to quitting time. We've only got three more points. How about that? Now I'm getting to the main point. Run with our focus on Jesus. Run with our focus on Jesus. So we're to, look at the end of verse one. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we're in this race as Christ followers, and we're to be running the race. We're to be intentional. We're to be all in. We're to run it with endurance. We're to trust God setting the course, and then how are we to run? Here's an exhortation toward our running, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. Now, let's just go back to that passage in John 21. Could Peter be simultaneously focused on Jesus and focused on John? No, no, no. He had taken his focus, and so... Peter, you follow me. So you can't be focused on multiple things. Not, not this idea of, hey, keep Jesus in mind. No, no, fixing our eyes on Jesus. Now, I love what, he's, what he tells us here. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. So he's the author. And I want you to think about author as it relates to a book. So let's just think about how we use that word. The author completely owns the book. All the characters in the book, where did they come from? The author. What about the whole storyline? We just uh, had the privilege to see on uh, Broadway in Birmingham uh, To Kill a Mockingbird uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, this lady from down in Monroeville, Alabama, a very, very young lady, writes this book that's still sort of one of the standards in literature circles and schools. And she put together, but she owned that story. And we're to run the race as Christians Fixing our eyes on Jesus, and Jesus is the author, the, the source. He's the source. And by the way, he's not just the author of our faith. He's the object, source, object of our faith. He, he's also the example, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Well, he's the example. What do you mean by that? Well, look what he has done. 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross, right? Victory for him and victory for us and victory forever was accomplished on the cross. So he's the source, he's the object, he's the example, he's the finisher. Praise the Lord. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, he's the author. So origin, source, perfecter, finisher of faith. So we're to run with a focus, a focus on Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith. What did he do? Well, who for the joy set before him, we'll say more about that in a moment. He endured the cross. He's gone before us, despising the shame. And look, he is finished. It is finished. Sin is atoned for and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself. You know what's not in there? Fixing your eyes on the course. Fixing your eyes on the obstacles. Fixing your eyes on the uncertainty of tomorrow. Fixing your eyes on the economy. Fixing your eyes on all these other... No, fixing our eyes on Jesus. We need Jesus. He is our only hope. He is all we need. He's the perfecter. What is the perfecter? One who brings something to a successful completion. Turn back quickly. Hebrews 7. Turn a couple chapters back. Look at Hebrews 7, verse 23. We're just going to hit a couple of these right here in this letter. Hebrews 7, 23. Remember, Jesus is superior. The former priest, on the one hand, existed in greater numbers because they were prevented by death from continuing. That's the normal priest, verse 24. But Jesus, on the other hand, because he continues forever, superior priest, holds his priesthood permanently. Therefore, he is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. What a promise. What an assurance. What an anchor to our souls. Therefore, he, Jesus, is able to save forever those who draw near to God through him. Let's draw near, church, since he always lives to make intercession for them. Hebrews 10, turn, turn to Hebrews 10, 24. I told you we're, we're running together. Let us, here's another, let us. By the way, uh, Hebrews 9 and 10 Hebrews 9 and 10 are sort of the chair text of the atonement. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. And so we're to run with our focus on Jesus. Six, I start to say finally, we've got a seven. Run with joy. Hebrews 12, look back at uh, verse two. We're gonna run, let us run. How? Fixing our eyes on Jesus. He's the author Object, example, but the author and perfecter of faith who for the joy set before him. Do you know what um, they ran for? That, by the way, there was a lot of fame that went with the Olympic Games back in their day, but it was literally a wreath. You know, like the green wreath before you put the boat, like a laurel wreath. That was what they were competing for. And they were like, that was really, really sought after. But by the way, what did the wreath signify? Victory. It signified the victory, so it communicated volumes. But run with joy. Fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, a perfecter, slow down, of faith, who for the joy set before him. Listen to what Matthew Henry said about this. Jesus had something in view 
under all his sufferings, which was pleasant to him, he rejoiced to see that by his sufferings he should make satisfaction to the injured justice of God and give security to his honor and government. That he should make peace between God and man. That he should be seal, that he should seal the covenant of grace and be the mediator of it. That he should open a way of salvation to the chief of sinners. And that he should effectually save all those whom the Father had given him and himself be the firstborn among many brethren. This was the joy set before him. So we're to run with joy. Number seven, we're to run with assurance that we will make it to the finish line. Well, why can we be confident we're going to make it to the finish line? Because Jesus has endured. So let us run into verse 1. With endurance, the race that is set before us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God. For consider him who has endured. So we can endure because Jesus has endured. The victory has been obtained. Consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Jesus ran his course. The cloud of witnesses have run their course. We can run ours. Let's apply the word and I'll be done. So doing the word. First of all, identify weights slowing us down. Identify weights slowing us down. So if you think about your relationship with Christ, if you think about your life, are there encumbrances? Lord, would you show us this morning? Would you highlight the encumbrances? Every encumbrance. Lay aside which encumbrance? Every encumbrance. And lay aside the sin. Lord, would you point those out and give us grace to deal with them? Identify weight slowing us down. Second, Trust that God knows what he is doing in setting our course. Well, that's a key aspect of endurance. So, so there's a lot of things on the course. I remember one time I was running a watermelon run down in Greenville. We lived in Montgomery at the time. I was down in Greenville, Alabama for the watermelon run. And uh, so for, it's a five-mile run. And I had on some new running shoes that I was quite fond of. And um, I did not know it was an off-road race. So for the first mile, we're running along. Then we turn into the woods, and it was very wet. And we're running down in this clay and mud. And I was so angry that my shoes were muddy, and I had not signed on for that. I think that's a picture of how I oftentimes feel when I encounter things in the course, in life, that I didn't see coming. See, I have a tendency in those moments to get very discontent and frustrated. And what a reminder. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. So we just step back in that moment and we repent of that tendency and we preach the gospel to ourselves and say, okay, God, you definitely know what you're doing in setting courses. And you know right where I am and you know right, right what I need. And you know I wasn't expecting this. And Lord, I can't say I've responded 
appropriately obedient. Lord, would you forgive me? For, right? that, that's that gospel, but trust that God knows what he's doing in setting our course. Third, see our need for the body of Christ. I love the lettuce in this passage. Let us, since we have said, let us lay aside. Let us run with endurance. It's us and us. See our need for the body of Christ. And finally, fix our eyes on Jesus. Fix our eyes on Jesus. I want to share with you this great, such an encouraging prayer from Joel Beek for He's entitled it, A Prayer for the Transition of Years. I'll close with this. Lord, as we arrive at the cusp of another year's end, we feel reluctant to cross the finish line. For we ought to have run a better race. Both thy record book of memory and ours of conscience find us painfully lacking in Scripture's balances. We wish we had justified ourselves less and repented more. We wish we had talked less and communed with thee more. We wish we had sinned less and loved thy son more. We wish we had backslidden less and worshiped thee more. We wish we had judged others less and served them more. We can't understand why thou hast loaded us with so many blessings. Why hast thou been so much better to us than we to thee? Why hast thou borne our griefs and carried our sorrows and interceded continually and loved fully even when chastening us. Forgive, O Lord, our rewarding of evil for all thy good. We pray for grace to run the race of grace better in the year to come. In and by thy strength, making mention only of thy righteousness, expecting nothing of ourselves but everything of thee. Jesus Christ, enfold us in thy shepherding arms. Pencil thy image on us and ripen us for eternal communion with thee to thy triune glory. Amen. Father, we thank you for Christ. God, we thank you that Christ endured the cross, Lord, in his suffering. Our salvation was obtained, was procured, was secured. Lord, we um, resonate, our hearts resonate so with the words of that prayer. We thank you that it is Jesus' merits it is the ground, the basis for our standing. Lord, we thank you that you have forgiven us all our trespasses. God, that you remember our sins no more. You have blessed us, Lord, with grace, with provision. Lord, you have blessed us to be part of your body, your bride. Lord, we 
pray that you would empower and enable us to run with endurance the race that is set before us. Lord, I know from uh, the body that um, I'm privileged to live life with that there are many who are in hard parts of the course. Lord, may we encourage them. May we all be reminded that you are present. You are near. That you haven't left. You haven't forsaken. Would you grant us grace to encourage each other? God, would you give us courage to even do some difficult inventory? Lord, would you point out the encumbrances that are slowing us down and remove them? God, help us to remove them. God, would you point out the sin that is entangling us? Would you give us fresh grace and strength to run with endurance? God, that we would fix our eyes on Jesus. We magnify his great name, that he is the author and perfecter of our faith. He is the object of our faith. He is the source of our faith. He is the example of our faith. And we thank you that he has run that course and has completed that course and he has set down. Father, help us to live with urgency. Help us to live with purpose. Forgive us for chasing fool's gold. God, that the world promises so much and never delivers. God, so turn us away from lesser things. Make us into a body. Lord, I think of even the words that we heard from Miss Carol, Lord, Uh, Make us into a body that whether that's a mom taking care of little ones at home or someone moving to the other side of the world, that we will live lives for your glory on mission. So God, we pray that you would do a great work in us. Lord, we praise you for your lavish provision to us over the past year. Lord, we have lacked for nothing. Great is your faithfulness. So Lord, we go forward giving you glory for what you have done and with great excitement for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.